Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Kim Reinhart with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And Laura Berhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. Thank Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about people who have unrealistic expectations. You know what? I love that phrase. I heard that phrase years ago, and since then it's been like, I I don't want to say my mantra, Yeah, but it's been something that I repeat to clients a lot because... They want their dogs to do things that just are so out of the scope of possibility. Right. Whenever you're considering changing dog's behavior, you always have to, as a trainer, you have to take into consideration what are the people's expectations. And oftentimes what happens is you get, you start talking to people about what they expect to happen. And you just know, well, that might happen, but to set it up as a goal is very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we are doing this is because I just took a call recently where I had a woman call me. She has a dog that has had some problems with other dogs. She's had it. It's three and a half years old. She's had it for a year and a half. I really didn't get absolutely what the problem was or why she finally called me. But, you know, her story was, well, this dog used to live with two other dogs and it was fine. And then it lived in a very isolated situation for about a year. And then it came to live with her and it was pretty aggressive with her dogs and it didn't really like other dogs. And it was very reactive to other dogs. And I said, okay, well, so, you know, what is it that you're looking to have happen here? And she said, well, I I run him to like other dogs. And I said, okay, well, we're going to have a problem there because what we can teach him is to change his behavior. We can get him to be less reactive towards other dogs. We can teach him to trust you to take care of him. We can teach him to maintain a certain attitude around other dogs. But in the end, we cannot change his view of other dogs. He either likes them or he doesn't. And he may decide, if we change his behavior radically, he may decide dogs are social creatures and he may decide I do like to be in the company of other dogs and I do like to play with other dogs but this dog was uh, over 100 pounds and at over and 100 three pounds, years old yes and uh, three and a half and over at, at that age and weight it's a pretty risky thing to put a dog that you know has aggressed at other animals and whose triggers you really haven't been able to identify reliably around other dogs on the idea that he's going to like other animals and she didn't really like my answer (laughs) she had talked to some other trainers and said well you know everybody has their own idea and their own opinion and I said to her yes I absolutely agree with you talk to 10 trainers you're going to get 10 different opinions but this is not my opinion this is fact I cannot change what your dog feels right but it really makes you wonder why she's continuing to call around Right. If she's if she's talked to so many people and some of them have given her, you know, have told her what she wanted to hear, why is she still calling people? Well, I, I mean, I had I've I, I had a similar call this week with mm-hmm. something else, but I mean, it, it was similar, but it was like going to the dog park. I want my dog to enjoy going to the dog park. Well, why? And I had to ask the question: What for whose benefit is the dog park? Who's because you have to remember something. When you talk about, I want my dog to like something, what you're saying is, I want to change him and have him 
change his mind about something to make me happy. It's not really, I mean, when I want my dogs or when my dogs like something, it's something that makes them happy. It's something that pleases them. When I like something, it's something that I have decided is positive to me. When somebody tries to make me like something. To force their opinions on you or to force their goals on you. They're not really interested in what I like. Exactly. They want me to behave a certain way to make them happy because it makes them happy to think I like something. And so whenever you're looking at your dog and saying, but I want him to like going to the dog park. I want him to like other dogs. I want him to like people. I want him to like Oh God, we had a list of things. There, there, you know, uh, cats, and I want him to like to play with certain types of toys. There's all these different things that we impose our desire with the unrealistic expectation that we're actually going to create a desire in them. Now, can that happen? It can. But as a goal, is it ridiculous? It's a ridiculous goal. Because if you set your sights on the goal of changing what your dog likes in this life then you're setting an expectation for that overrides his free will completely right yeah his individuality his free will yeah you know i um there was somebody years ago at an agility class that i was uh, taking i wasn't teaching it i was taking it and there was somebody else there who was a part-time instructor and also a, a student there and she ran her dog and she wanted her her dog a border collie to want to retrieve because all the other border collies in the area you know they would retrieve a floppy disk mm-hmm. and her dog didn't and she wanted him to because she thought that he would enjoy it which is just a type of toy by the way a floppy yeah disc. it's a floppy disk it's like a frisbee but it's very soft and so she wanted to teach him to retrieve and she went up to somebody else because she didn't really like me for some reason i don't know why i never really talked to her maybe that's the reason <laughs> but um but we really didn't you know I mean, we were cordial to each other. It's not like I was mean to her, not like she was right. mean to me, but we just didn't, we weren't friendly, friendly. Right. And so she went up to a friend of mine, who's a mutual friend of yours and mm-hmm. mine, and asked him if he would teach her dog to retrieve a floppy disk. And he said, you know what, you really should go to Laura because she could get it done in like 10 minutes with a clicker. And because she didn't like me very much, she went to somebody else who did an ear pinch on her dog. Mm-hmm. And actually the dog's ear bled Mm -hmm. and did get infected Mm -hmm. from this ear pinch that she did she did this to get her dog to retrieve because she thought he would enjoy it in what world does that make sense and you know what i i gotta say it doesn't make sense but i kind of want to keep personally i would rather keep the the judgmental part of out of this because then it becomes subjective from person to person what i want people to understand though is you can't make your dog like something. You can make him do it, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is what she achieved. She did get him to, to do the retrieve. But in the end, if she was looking to use it as a play behavior, she went about it in a kind of a ridiculous way because she used pain to create a play behavior and how that was ever going to work in a million years, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Even if you were pro that type of thing, how that was going to work is confusing to anybody with a brain but beyond that why didn't she just accept her dog unlike the other border collies she knew didn't happen to find that rewarding well she said that she felt like he didn't have a full life how does she know that right i mean if he wanted to play i would think that he would 
Well, and you get that a lot about people who want their dogs to go to a dog park or oh, want yeah. their dogs to play with other dogs. The dog I hides the entire time under a bench, under their legs, under a bench, and then growls or snaps at any dog who comes close, and they continue to go thinking that he's going to improve. Because they want him to have a full life. Yeah. Because they want him to have a full life. But here's the thing about that. You just, at some point, have to respect that for your dog, that might not be part of a full life. That might not be what they consider to be a full life. I know we've ha- talked about this in other podcasts. You and I both, neither one of us is terribly comfortable at a big party where we don't know people. Mm -hmm. There are people who thrive in that environment. There are people who love that. And for them, that's a great time. You can't make me feel comfortable in a situation like that. No matter how many glasses of wine you give me, (laughs) I am not going to be comfortable. Yeah, it either is or it isn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely It's just my personality. And shoving a bunch of M&Ms or Reese's peanut butter cups in my mouth as I'm standing there you know, in this party is not going to make me enjoy it anymore. Right. Now, there are things that you might find to be reinforcing, and you might have a change of heart. It's possible. Yes. It is possible for any of us to have a change of heart. But the problem comes in when people set that up as a goal of dog training. And, you know, that's a really good point. There have been times that I've had people call me and their dogs are reactive on the leash Mm -hmm. and so they want their dog to be better and so they want their dog to walk better on the leash and so what I'm thinking in my head is oh they just want to be able to walk down the street without having their dog be reactive to other dogs which is very realistic as a training goal yes but then come to find out in their mind they want their dog to wag to walk up wagging his tail and say hi 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 to every other dog on the street and that is their goal and so i have to kind of bring them down to reality and go yeah hello unrealistic expectations or even be okay with a dog coming up and getting in their face and being really excited to see them and over the top that's their idea they want their dog to that's it they want their dog to like that they want their dog to see another dog and wag his tail they, uh, yes, and like it. He He's going to like these interactions. And that's not a realistic expectation for training. As, as a trainer, we can train behavior. We can change behavior. We can teach him to stay calm in a situation like that. And we can reduce reactivity. We can create a dog that is well-mannered and mm-hmm. nice to walk on a leash. But as far as changing a dog's feelings about something, that may or may not happen. Now, here's the thing. You remove reactivity, you get the dog really comfortable. He may decide on his own that he likes dog interactions. That can happen. So it's not as if it's impossible, but as a goal, you're setting yourself up for failure. And you're setting the dog up for failure. You're setting your trainer up for failure, you and the dog. Because as a goal, it's unrealistic. It's much more realistic to have the goal of your original idea, right? When you said, oh, I'm thinking that they just want the dog to walk down the street and be okay and they not want, be reactive. Yeah, they want to be able to walk down the street and not be embarrassed. They don't want to be, you know, the dog that walks down the street that everybody else sees coming. And then they run, turn the other way, go the other way, run back into their house, that kind of stuff. And it's the same thing, in all honesty, with the dog with the floppy disk, that she wanted the dog to retrieve the floppy disk. The thing is, you can't guarantee that you're going to get a dog that likes it either. It may happen. Mm -hmm. It very well may happen. But to set it up as a goal, whether you do it forcefully, which I can't imagine how it would ever happen that way, I mean, that set it up absolutely to be something that the dog wouldn't I like, I would think. But, or you do it with a clicker, you're still, the goal of saying, I want the dog to do it beca- and I want him to like it is an unrealistic expectation, yeah. no matter how you go about it. Because you can, you can change 
a dog's emotional response to things. You can, but it doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to do it with his tail wagging. You can make a dog more comfortable depending right. on the dog. You can make a dog more comfortable in certain situations, but that doesn't mean that, okay, now he's okay with one dog. That means that now I can go, you know, he has a couple of doggy friends at home and now I can go and dump him back in the dog park with a whole bunch of unfamiliar dogs and now he's going to be comfortable and like it. And he's going to like it. See, that's just it. There's a difference between being comfortable or being okay or You're, being yeah, able to get... Tolerating it. Being able to cope with something, yeah. right? You're changing coping skills on it some level you're changing their coping skills you get them to the place where they can tolerate it they can cope with it but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to embrace it as something that they like and as a goal it's an unrealistic goal and i think the the primary one that i come across is dog to dog interactions i want my dog to like it but there are other situations i want my dog to like being around cats well maybe that's never going to happen i want my dog we made a list i want my dog to like playing with a toy or particular type of toy let's say my dog really likes to chase a ball but he's not into tug I might be able to change that behavior, but I may never get into the place where he's really into playing tug. He just may never absolutely like that or be comfortable with that. He may change his, it may, we may be able to change his tolerance of it. We may even be able to get him to hold on to something, but it doesn't mean that he's going to embrace it as something that he likes. What's another one? We had other ideas. Oh, like being around kids. How about that one? Yeah. You get that one? Oh, do, do I get that one? Yeah, I have a lot of people who, you know, the dog might never have been around kids like especially with rescues or even i've seen younger dogs that have always been in a house but they don't have kids and now they want to have kids Mm -hmm. the dog has never been around kids and now their sister has kids and they want the dog to like having kids come over to visit and okay now it's an older dog he's never ever been exposed to kids and now they're having trouble right So, so we might be able to change the dog's reactivity to the kids we might be able to create situations where the dog where we can create comfort levels for the dog, right? Right. But, you know, a lot of dogs, I find a lot of dogs are born loving kids and other dogs are not born liking kids. I've seen eight, nine-week-old puppies who really bark kind of nastily at little kids. Yeah. One, of my, one of my previous dogs, he adored children. I don't know his history, but he wasn't that old when I got him. Mm-hmm. Adored children. Just thought they were the best thing in the world was very gentle around them Mm -hmm. just was fabulous around kids Mm -hmm. i didn't install that in him no absolutely that was was, a like it was he liked that he he liked it it was his genetic component that he just look there's a child and i adore children he never licked them it was all his nose he would just sniff them and wag his tail and he was he was like their protector he went to live with my sister because once she had a child and I knew he was much more comfortable around kids than he was other dogs, so it was the better thing for yes. him. So he went to live with her, and he kept an eye on that kid like it was his job. Right. Now he had something to do, and he, he just adored kids. Yes. And I've seen dogs like this that are dogs that are really, really rambunctious around other dogs and, and even adults, and they're really jumping up and down and playful and out of control, and you put them next to a little baby, and they try to get as low as possible yeah, and as tiny as possible. My first pit bulls And like they're this. just... They're just these little... Quiet movements, oh, slow, yeah. easy, gentle movements. Yeah, and you would never cautious. think that from how they behave with an adult. Yes, absolutely. But that's how they're hardwired. Mm-hmm. That's how they came that's to That's not something you can train. No, and, and so setting that up as a goal becomes a real problem because you can't get there. 
you're actually setting your dog up to fail. You're setting your dog up so that you can later label them as a problem. When a in reality, dog. this is just something that they don't care for. They just don't like it. What's another one? We were talking about, oh, dogs that don't like to be picked up. Picked or up or held. held. Like especially the little tiny pocket-sized yes. dogs that people are always carrying them around. And the dogs don't like it. They think the dog likes it. And then they don't understand, well, sometimes, you know, they go to pick up the dog and the dog runs away away. from them, backs away from them. And the dog just doesn't like it. But they're kind of forced to because they're small and they don't have a choice and we can do it. Well, another really common one is for a larger dog that doesn't like to be hugged and pulled close. And by the way, a lot of dogs don't care for that. That Mm. is absolutely a learned behavior that's a there are very few dogs that actually do care for that yes and that's a behavior that they can learn to, to like but it doesn't mean that they will learn to like it. Mm-hmm. it there's nothing wrong there's nothing inherently wrong or broken about the dog that doesn't learn to like it mm-hmm. it's not really something that's natural yeah for them. and most dogs learn to tolerate it they go oh here she goes again like my dogs you know i give them a kiss on the forehead every night and they kind of go oh here she goes again they've learned to tolerate it well and there are dogs that learn to love it there mm-hmm. are dogs that will come in and cuddle and get really close and what the closer you hold them the happier that they are but you know what that's a preference that's Mm -hmm. not something that you set up as a training goal you can't set up a like a preference as a training goal Mm -hmm. you go ahead well, I was just going to say, you know, there are a lot of dogs that don't like to go in the car. And there are a lot of people yes, who, like, their previous dog liked to go in the car with them. Everywhere they went, they took the dog with them. And now their new dog doesn't like to go in their car. And they want their dog to go in the car to go with them, to just run errands. Which is fine. And, they can get their dog to go in the car. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't mean that it's always going to be something the dog really likes. Yeah, the dog isn't going to run out to the car and go, woohoo, open the door, let me jump in. Right, because my old dog was so enthusiastic. Now I want this new dog right. to be that enthusiastic. Well, it's the same thing with petting or certain types of petting. Somebody's, I've, I've met people before that their old dog really loved to be scratched under the chin. And their new dog is like backing off going, no, I really don't like that very much. But they're kind of pushing themselves Mm -hmm. on the dog going no my other dog liked this though Mm -hmm. you have to like it Mm -hmm. instead of figuring out what this dog does like right right the the same thing with toys my other dog loved to play with a tennis ball why don't you like to play with a tennis ball are you broken right right and they're setting themselves up for frustration themselves themselves up for frustration as a trainer i don't like to take those calls because they're mm-hmm. setting me up to look bad mm-hmm. and, and they're and setting the dog the dog and us up for failure like this woman that i was talking to i was really honest with her about it and i knew i wasn't telling her what she wanted to hear and i knew she was going well then you don't know what you're talking about because another trainer told me that it can be done and you know what in the end they might work with that dog and they may get to i doubt it very seriously because i heard all the details about this dog but they may get that dog to the place where he does like to be around dogs and then she's going to think well I was wrong and the other trainer was right but what I told her was not that it won't happen what I told her was it's not a good goal we have to set the goal up as we are going to create some different behavior patterns for him so that he doesn't feel so uncomfortable so that he doesn't uh, react so negatively so he's not so reactive but the goal of him liking it is not a good goal I don't like the goal because then what if he just doesn't like it right we can't you know there's things that you don't like i couldn't change your mind if i tried i might spider change yeah i might be able to change your tolerance level i mean honestly if every time you saw a spider somebody uh, popped out of the woodworks and gave you a thousand bucks you might change your mind about spiders you still not might not be really comfortable having them real close to you 
you still might freak out if you had one crawling on you, but you might get become more tolerant to seeing them. That might become something that you were became very comfortable about seeing them. So there are things that we can change. We can change some of those reactions, but in the end, we can't. I couldn't get you to love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the same thing. And we could say the same thing for jogging. Yes. Like people who jog with their dogs, they want to take their dog jogging. They want their oh, dog to be a, a jogging one. partner. Yeah. That's and good. the dog is like, yeah, I'm not that. I don't like it. I just yeah. don't, I don't want to do it. I'm hot, and I people, get hot, and I'm co- uncomfortable, yeah, or, and you don't move at the right pace for me, and mm-hmm. it's not that comfortable. Yeah, the me. same thing for swimming. People yes. who have a pool, and they want their dog to swim. Which is okay. It's okay to teach your dog to swim. That's a good thing, actually. Yeah, if you, you have know, a the, pool, teaching your dog that they can get in and out, teaching your dog that they are able to move, and actually teaching them some form so they understand how to move correctly yes. in a pool so they're more buoyant is a really good thing. But having the expectation that you're going to make them like it dog is just going to jump in whenever he feels like it and take a swim around a couple laps around the pool and turn around and come back out and he's going to be really not, enthusiastic yeah, yeah that's Th- not a realistic goal and it sets you up to look at your dog in a negative way because it sets you up if your dog doesn't meet that goal sets you up to look at your dog as broken or wrong or you know somehow lacking when in truth the only thing that was wrong right from the very beginning were your expectations was that unrealistic expectation that you set up and maintained and i'm i'm here to tell you with the woman that i was speaking to on the phone i know she was interested in maintaining her expectation sadly because that expectation is if it's met she's going to be okay and and maybe that can happen but i don't think it will happen with this dog and if it doesn't happen then she set it up to have a less than attitude towards her dog. Well, the scary thing is, is that it typically in situations like this, the people have this goal. Yes. And so then we can come in and we can explain to them all we want to. Look, this is where we can possibly get to, which is making them more comfortable, more tolerant, stuff like that around around other dogs or babies or strollers or whatever it is. And so we get him to that place where he's not showing any of those previous behaviors. Mm-hmm. And their vision, they are envisioning him liking him it. Liking it. Yes. They are envisioning, well, look, he's better now. Look, so, he's better now. So now I can just walk him straight up to this kid. Now I can just walk him straight up to this. To this. And they're seeing happy dog. Right. Because he's not reacting anymore. When in actuality, the dog has just learned to coping tolerate skills. it. Yes. And coping skills. Yes. Exactly. And so we are at our goal which is, okay, look, he's doing better, and they are seeing and happy, happy, we're and our, it's not happening. And we're at our goal because they are seeing that the dog is more comfortable. We've gotten the dog to the place where he's not so reactive, and we think that we've also gotten the pe- people to the place that where they understand us. that there are certain situations that you wouldn't push this dog into because although he's become more comfortable he's learned to trust you he's learned that you're not going to put him into situations that are uncomfortable and he's learned to be less reactive in a situation like this we think the people have this we think they've grasped that and then we get a call six months a year down the line oh he bit someone and we start talking to them how did about, that happen because that was not supposed the situation right. wasn't even supposed to occur and if you rolled forward with the information and the training that we did i can't see a time when this would happen yeah and then they start talking about it and they talk about a situation that was 
absolutely outside of what we had set up for them. Yeah. You know, we said, listen, this your dog is fine as long as you can go on walks with other dogs. You can go with your friends and you can go on walks with other dogs and they have their dog under control on the leash. You have your dog under control on the leash and you guys walk down the street and you can take four mile walks and jibber jabber and talk and have a good time. Maybe even go to the local coffee shop and put them on a downstay while you sit other, there and, and have other your dogs coffee. walk down the street. Yes. But then you talk to them and you're you're finding out what in the world happened. And they say, well, you know. He was doing neighbor, so well. Yeah. My he was neighbor, doing so well, I just he thought. He likes my neighbor's dog a lot. And then the neighbor's dog, and then the neighbor, their daughter brought over their dog, and our, my other neighbor brought over their dog, and we put them all in the yard because we thought it would be so much fun for them to play. Mm-hmm. And he did something inappropriate. And yeah. I say, well, no, actually, he did something predictable. Yeah. And we have a mutual trainer friend who had been working with this woman with a very large dog, and he was reactive towards strangers, and she went over just very, very similar to this situation and said, this is what you're going to do. I mean, step by step by step, this is what you're going to do. And the lady repeated everything back to her, and then, just like you said, three days later, she gets a phone call saying that, he, that the dog bit somebody. And she says, well, how did that happen? Well, I did exactly what you said. And what this woman repeated back to her and that she did was not anything close to what the trainer said to do. And she thought that the woman had understood. But the woman wanted to. She was testing the dog. She was seeing. and Well, but she was doing so much better. And those were like the woman's exact words. But she was doing so well. I thought it would be okay. I mean, they tend to make these giant... Well, and because the woman had never let go of her expectation of the dog liking it. That's in the situation that I was talking about with the dogs, where then you get the call and the person talks about, well, now we put them loose in a yard with four dogs. And I say to them, but there is a big difference between the dog being comfortable enough to tolerate going on a walk or sitting at a coffee shop with all the dogs under control and Mm -hmm. you taking a very strong role to you setting them loose in the yard and having all the dogs go willy-nilly and do whatever they think is fun, which this dog is uncomfortable with, and he's not feeling like he's being protected, and suddenly he's thrown out to the wolves in his perspective. But it's because they never let go of that first goal. Right. But also, I mean, in, in a lot of situations like that, people think that, oh, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. Yes. So it's like if, let's say their dog does have one neighbor friend dog that they play with. Yes. And then they think, well, that dog has like three or four friends. So any dog that that dog gets along with should also get along right. with my dog. Right. My dog should also like those dogs in just from the yes. Yes. six degrees of separation thing. Yes. It's just, it all comes down to setting up unrealistic expectations. And anytime that you're going to try to get your dog to do something, you have to sit down and really go over it carefully and adjust your expectations to something that is realistic, that fits the criteria of, am I changing a behavior pattern here? Am I lowering the amount of stress on my dog in order to allow him to be able to do this? Is this fitting into my expectation or is my expectation that my dog is going to suddenly morph into someone he's never been? Yeah. (laughs) Now, you know, back to what you were saying about, because we we mentioned swimming and I'm working with a dog now who we had to, because they have a pool, we had to teach him to be safe in the pool. Mm -hmm. We had to teach him to know, okay, where are the steps, how to Mm -hmm. get out if he ever fell in. And so he hated it. Absolutely hated it. It would be nice if he liked it, but he hated it. I mean, and this dog was a big dog, and getting him in the pool was not fun Mm -hmm. or easy. We knew, finally, that he knew where the steps were because he would head towards them every time. One day, he followed a toy into the pool, 
a toy was there. He mm-hmm. tried to grab it, ended up falling in, and this was in the deep end. And this dog was so keyed in on the toy that once the toy, and it was a pretty big toy, once the toy was in his mouth, he forgot how to swim. Uh-huh. Because we didn't work on swimming with a toy in right. his mouth. Right. And so what I had to do was instead of teaching him, because I tried to teach him if a toy goes in the pool, you don't go in after it. Because mm-hmm. after I tried that for a couple of times, I realized, you know what, he's so keyed in on toys, it's not going to keep him. If nobody's out here, there's no guarantee right. he's not going in the pool after right. it. Right, that's not a safe So what I had to do was teach him to swim with a toy like that in his mouth. And again, it was a huge, it was a jolly ball, mm-hmm. you know, which takes up his entire face once he bites down on it. And so I had to teach him to swim with that in his mouth. And guess what? Now he likes to swim. He is one of those dogs that will do the laps around the pool, and I think because it was associated with the toy. But that is not something that happens all the time. And swimming is not like other dogs. Swimming is not like being exposed to other dogs. It's not like being exposed to men. Well, it's and that like may or may not babies. have happened in the pool. The, the bottom line is, you know, what we're focusing on here is what is your expectation? See, the byproduct may be that he ends up liking Exactly, it. but then my expectation a- was not in anywhere, was not at all that he like swimming in the pool with a toy in his mouth. Because when you start with unrealistic expectations, you set the dog up to fail. Yes. And that's the problem. That's why the expectations need to be carefully carefully thought out because the byproduct may well be it can happen Mm -hmm. that it will end up being listen i swim dogs you know swim therapy all the time and those dogs a lot of them learn to really like swimming we're doing it as a for physical fitness or to help with an injury or whatever but a lot of them end up liking it but i don't set that up as a goal yeah you know what i set it up to teach them to be comfortable to trust me to be able to help them and to teach them how to help themselves and then if they end up liking it all the better yeah it's just an added it's icing on the cake yes. basically it's just icing on the cake yes but yeah and that's was my original yes. thing about bringing up the pool was that my goal was to get him to swim efficiently with a toy in his right. mouth right i didn't care if he liked it right i didn't care but the fact that he ended up liking it and right. as such, you set him up to succeed. Mm-hmm. You set him up to succeed. You set up a realistic expectation that you knew that you could achieve. You got it done. And then if the byproduct of that turns out that he likes it, great. Great. So um, bottom line, carefully look at your expectations and try to keep them realistic. Understand it's an option for you to change their behavior so that you can change some of their tolerances and so that you can get them to be less reactive to things or to accept things or to do things well. But when you get into the sticky waters of I want them to like, which is what we started with here, it's pretty unrealistic. And I think that it's important for people to then ask themselves for whose benefit is this, especially when it has to do with going to the dog park or going in the car to run errands or playing, playing with a particular fetch. toy exactly yes, exactly so for whose benefit is this right okay so that does it for today i'm kim reinhardt with ain't misbehaving canine and i'm laura Brahenny with animal attraction unlimited thank you very much thank you You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, 
call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.